following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Oh, Lord, miracles don't convert people. The conviction of your Holy Spirit converts men and women. And so I ask today, Holy Spirit, would you come into this house and would you convict our hearts and lay bare before our eyes our condition before Jesus that we might repent of our sins, get clean and enter in by the blood, by grace, by a free gift. Lord Jesus, would you do that through your spirit today? I pray in your holy name. Amen. North of Ephesus, on a gulf of the Aegean, is one of the great cities of Asia. It was a seat of emperor worship. There was even a temple there built to Emperor Tiberius. This was a a city loved by the Apostle John. He spent a great deal of time discipling and teaching those men and women who would accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to John on the island of Patmos, and there began with awe and wonder to speak to his heart about the seven churches of Revelation, Smyrna was one of those churches, the second one spoken of. Smyrna literally means the city of life. And the inhabitants of Smyrna believed that life came from worshiping the emperors. They believed that Rome was the source of life. John, on the other hand, came teaching that life was found in Jesus Christ. Now you understand, we have the Western Roman civilization saying life comes out of worshiping our emperor. Life comes out of our great system of economy, our system of law. Life comes by having great highways, having commerce, and entrepreneurs. Life comes out of success. And the Apostle John came and he said, no, life does not come from Rome. Life does not come from New York City. Life does not come from Washington, D.C. doesn't come from the White House. It comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. There was great persecution. Men and women were losing their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle John ordained a man by the name of Polycarp. This man became the bishop of Smyrna. Now, I want to share with you, I want to share a story with you. I have an old volume that I want to share. 
there is a historical record left for us from the church of Smyrna. This was written by the elders of the church. I would guess somewhere um, probably somewhere around 155 to 160 A.D. So to give you a time frame, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The city has been sacked by Rome. The citadel has been taken. Emperor worship is in full swing. And now the elders of the church at Smyrna write us a, uh, a circular letter that is going to go to all the other Christian churches. And this is the report that they have written. When Polycarp was brought to the tribunal, the proconsul asked him if he was Polycarp. Having pity on thy great age, said the humane Roman officer, swear but once by the fortunes of Caesar. Reproach this Christ of thine with but one word, and I will set you free. Here is his answer, quoted from the elders who were there. Eighty and six years, answered Polycarp, I have served Jesus Christ, and he has never once wronged or deceived me. How then can I reproach him? And then the executioners began building the fire. And the aged saint was placed in the fire. And certain who stood by took down this prayer from his lips. O Father of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, I bless thee that thou hast counted me worthy of this day and of this hour. I thank thee that I am permitted to put to my lips the cup of Jesus Christ. And I thank thee for the sure hope of the resurrection, and for the incorruptible life of heaven. I praise thee, O Father. You understand, he's praying this as the flames are beginning to come up around him as he is going to be burned to death. He's 86 years of age. I praise thee, O Father, for all thy soul-saving benefits. And I glorify thee through our eternal high priest, Jesus Christ, through whom and in the Holy Ghost be glory to thee, both now and forever. Amen. Altogether, eleven brethren suffered with Polycarp and were burned in the fire that day as a part of the heathen festival to Rome. It was done in the marketplace of Smyrna, the city of life. Polycarp suffered his martyrdom Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. How did a man grow 
to a point that when placed in the flames of fire, his only heart concern would be to praise the Lord Jesus. No words of condemnation, no words of bitterness, no words of anger, no words of reproach for the, for the Roman officers who built the fire around him. No words of, of anger, simply words of praise to Jesus. Has Jesus ever been unfaithful to you? Has he ever not fulfilled his promise to you? Do you have any words of reproach against the man Jesus Christ? Or have you too thought that life came from the Romans? That life came from your job? Life came from your entertainment? Where does life come to you from today? Does it come up out of your fear? Does it come up out of your lust? Does it come up out of your own flesh? Or today, does life come to you through Jesus Christ and through his suffering and through his death on Calvary? Where does life come to you from today? Where have you satisfied your inner longings during this past week? Have you sought to fulfill your longings at the computer? Or at the workplace? Or in some revenge against some supposed wrong? Where have you found your sustenance this past week? Have you found your sustenance in the broken body of Jesus Christ and in the spilled blood of Jesus Christ? Or have you found another gospel? A gospel of cheap grace, of feel-good, easy believism, cotton candy. What would be your answer today if you were told... Either swear by the great American enterprise or swear by Jesus Christ. And that swearing would determine whether or not you lived or died. Where do you stand? You see, the wickedness of the American church is that we have taught from our pulpits that you can have Rome and Jesus too. We've taught that you can have all the benefits of prosperity, and in fact, Jesus will teach you how to be even more prosperous. And lying pastors have stood in front of congregations and said, what we need is for you to plant your seed with us so that you can go out and be wealthy. I want to say, if they're, if they're really telling you the truth, why don't they plant their seed with you so they can get rich? No, they're, they're thieves and liars. That's why I say to you today, 
Where have you found your sustenance and your security? Have you found it in Jesus Christ? Or have you found it in the television and in the sports and in the NASCAR? Have you found your sustenance dining on the apples of Sodom and the straw of Gomorrah? Or have you found it at the foot of the cross? Some of you don't have much longer on the face of this earth. Some of us are beginning to get gray hair. Our lives are fast, unwinding. And some of you who think you have lots of time, take a look in the mirror. Do you remember when you were 16? And you were invincible and nothing could touch you. You were awesome. Well, you don't look like that today. Sags and bags. See, there's a 100% mortality rate for us. We live once and then we face the judgment. But if my sustenance is found in Jesus Christ, there's a judgment for me, not against me. So let's look at the message that Jesus sent to encourage Polycarp, for he was the angel of the church of Smyrna. The angel in the Greek simply means messenger of Jesus, and he was the bishop, he was the pastor of the Smyrna church. This is the word that came to him that caused him to become so strong that he could step into the fire of martyrdom and be faithful to Jesus. Listen to this word. Revelation, the second chapter. It's a very short letter. These are the words of him who is the first and the last. This is the verse 8. These are the words of him who is first and last, who died and came to life again. So he wants Polycarp to know right up front, this is who I am. John taught you about me, but now I want you to hear directly from me. I want you to know that I know what it's like to die, and I've come to life again. And now out of that resurrection life, I have something I need to say to you. Listen carefully. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know your afflictions and your poverty. No one who participated in the Roman system as a citizen was poor. It was a time of great wealth in Smyrna. The marketplace was always a hubbub, even as it is at the mall. I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. Yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. 
Are you touched by the words of people who criticize you? Is there any part of your soul that still desires to please someone other than Jesus Christ? I have to confess to you, I was born a pleaser. And in the early years of my ministry, I sought to please everyone in the congregation. I had one goal that was uppermost in my heart, and that was to talk to everybody, to mix with everybody, to meet everybody's needs, to be a good pastor by just loving everybody and causing everybody to love me. I wanted to please. And then I came to that radical, startling decision that I couldn't please anybody. That everybody had their own agenda for coming. One wanted me to preach more on this topic. Another wanted me to make this decision in the business meeting. Another person wanted this kind of program in the church. Another wanted his children to be taken care of in that way. It was clear to me after a few years in the ministry that Jesus was not enough for the church. We needed a whole bunch of other stuff in addition to Jesus. And so people would say, I don't want to go to that church because they don't have a good kids program. I don't want my kids to suffer. I'm not going to go to that church because they don't have a good music program. You know, one of the reasons we have people stand up and sing a cappella, I mean, we're looking at at the Lord bringing us $100,000 to do Wave a Radio. Do you think that it wouldn't be possible for us to hire a band. There's not a problem with hiring a band. We have that ability. Do you know why we don't? Because we don't want you coming in here for a great music program. We don't want you coming in here saying, you know, the preaching's so-so, but that music. No, We don't want a music program. We don't even want a preaching program. We want a Holy Spirit program. program. We want a cross program. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Give it to me, Lord. And you know what? We don't have the fullness yet of the Holy Spirit in this place. And we're not going to cover it up with a slick band so that you can't tell what's flesh and what's spirit. Now, I pray to God that someday you're going to come in here and there's going to be a whole orchestra in here. But I pray that that orchestra is in response to the falling of the Holy Ghost and not flesh to cover over and pretend when there's no power in the house. Do you understand? We're going to walk this out bare. And if you walk with us, you've got to come walk it out bare. We're here for Jesus. You see, I now have a a different agenda than when I was young. Now my goal is to either have you converted to Jesus Christ and become like Polycarp, 
or to get so mad at me, you'll never come again. Because you see, I don't want to pastor a church of a thousand people who all need dirt thrown on them because they're dead. I want to pastor a church that's alive in the spirit of the living God, who's filled with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, who walks in obedience to the commands of Jesus. I don't want to play games with this. The fires of persecution do not burn in America today, but they will burn in America. Do you think the fires of persecution are only going to burn in China? Or only burn in Saudi Arabia? Or the Sudan? Wait until America's financial lifestyle begins to be challenged. Wait until terrorism begins to step in. The cross of Jesus Christ is not a symbol of America. The cross of Jesus Christ is not a symbol of America. It's a symbol of the new earth. It's a symbol of the kingdom of God. I am not first an American citizen. I am first a citizen of the kingdom of God. Secondly, I'm an American citizen. My first loyalty is to the cross of Jesus Christ. My second loyalty is to work as a citizen of this land, to exercise my democratic responsibilities, to participate in America, and to do everything I can to keep America turning toward the cross of Jesus. I praise God that many of our legislators are Christians. I praise God that many of our judges are Christian. But you recognize that's dramatically shifting. Now, listen to what Jesus says in verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. What's revealed here is terrifying to my heart. It says that Jesus knowingly allows the devil to put some of his people in prison and to test them. Now, the word to test in the Greek literally means to scrutinize or to examine or to assay. It's the word assay that caught my attention. Do you know what it means? If a miner goes into a mine and there he finds ore that he thinks is very rich, he will take it out and he'll present it to the assayer. And the assayer will evaluate the metal in that ore and give you a report so that you know what the value of that ore is. This word in the Greek means to assay you. 
So what it's literally saying is that Jesus gives Satan permission to bring certain things onto your life in order to assay you, in order to see what's in you. Satan says, I know all about you and you're not worth anything. And Jesus says, no, my gold is in that person. And Satan says, let's test him and see. Let's put him through some affliction and see what they're made of. Remember Job? The devil and the Lord God of heaven had a conversation about Job. The devil said, Job is your man because you've got him covered. Uncover him and let me add his family and his possessions and he'll curse you. And so the Lord God of heaven said, go ahead, assay him. Let's see what's in Job. Now you understand, all of this is not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the universe. There's been a charge made against the living God of heaven that he is unjust, unfair, and cannot be served. Satan has said this. And so now they're watching earth to see what is worked out in the lives of God's people to see whether or not a man or a woman can serve the Lord God of heaven. Frankly, the accusation is that the blood was not sufficient. Can the blood break the power of addiction and sin in a man and woman's life? Can the power of the blood wash and cleanse you and set you free from sin? The devil says it can't. Jesus says it can. Now let's put you in the assayer's office and see whether or not Jesus was right. Job would not curse God. He would not turn aside from the Lord God of heaven. So he comes back and he says, you know, you still have Job covered. You're protecting his body. You let me at his body and I'll show you what a man will do. Well, the devil had loose at Polycarp's body. And the assayer came back with gold. Top quality gold. Now he has some of you in the assaying process. Some of you have no tribulation and no trouble because you've never sold out to Jesus Christ. Satan's not worried about you. He's already got you. All you do is suffer the normal trial of being a human being on the face of the earth. But you begin to sell out to Jesus Christ, and you'll be taken to the assayer's office to determine whether or not what you say is real. Now, in the modern church, we've not been taught that. We've been taught God has unconditional love. God does not have unconditional love. If he did, there would be no hell. There is a place of judgment. There is a place of darkness. And he's now in the process of weighing your life to determine 
what is in your heart. And Jesus is coming to Polycarp and to the church at Smyrna. And he's saying, be encouraged. Don't allow Satan's testing of you to cast your heart down. Instead, turn to me. Turn to me. Listen, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Now, you understand the first death. The first death is my dad, who was a righteous man, a godly man. He lay in that hospital bed. His heart finally gave out, and we gathered around his casket. We shed tears. We wept because he was gone. That was 15 years ago. I still miss my dad. So many times I've said to my sweetheart, I wish I could just go home and talk to dad. He'd understand these issues. But he's dead. He's gone. But you know what? My dad didn't die. He just changed places. He left this place of testing, and he went to another land. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. So Jesus isn't addressing this first death here because Jesus isn't real concerned about the first death. He knows it causes us pain, but he tells us, don't worry, I've overcome the world. This is just a transition process. So weep because of the parting, but rejoice because this is temporary. It's the second death we have to look at and be concerned about. Now, what is the second death? The second death is when the Spirit of God begins to leave a man's soul. No, I shouldn't put it that way. The second death is when a man begins to drive the Spirit of God from his soul. The second death is when a person goes more and more toward that Roman system and says, what is most important to me is my money and my entertainment. What's most important to me is that I have what I want. What's most important to me is that I be able to exercise all of my rights as an individual, as an independent individual. I'm not going to surrender to anybody. I'm not going to submit to Jesus Christ. I will receive from him all of his benefits as long as it doesn't cost me anything. That's the beginning of the second death. The second death is finally complete when Jesus Christ has totally left that soul. And that soul is cast into outer darkness cut off from the living God of heaven, separated from glory, filled with darkness. 
And the time we live in now is that time of, of assaying. When God is scrutinizing our lives, when the devil is scrutinizing our lives, Jesus is laying claim to his people, and the devil is laying claim to his people. And there's a fight over your heart. The second death begins in our heart when we begin to turn aside and reject Jesus. We begin to say no to his commands. We begin to say no to his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes and begins to convict us and say, turn that television off. I want time with you. And you say, no, I don't have time to be with you. I'd rather go be with the TV. When a person gets up in the morning and says, I don't want time with you, Jesus. I want my beer. I don't want time with you, Jesus. I want my pot. I want my heroin. Jesus, I don't have time to be with you. I want to go earn money. I don't have time, Jesus, to spend a night in weeping before you for my sin. I don't have time, Jesus, to come before your your merciful throne and seek your good. Jesus, I don't have time. I've got overtime to do. You know, I've got to meet my bills. You're not, you're not enough, Jesus. I can't trust you for my finances. I can't trust you to take care of me. I've got to go do it myself. Second death has started. Polycarp stepped into that fire of martyrdom. And the second death isn't going to touch him. Sold out to Jesus. No compromise. No wavering. No begging for his life. No whimpering. Instead, just words of outflowing praise and glory and honor to Jesus. What flows out of your mouth when somebody cuts you off on the highway? What flows out of your mouth when you don't get your way? When the finances don't work the way you want them to work? What happens when somebody at work cuts you off and and slanders your name and treats you poorly? What's your response? You're being assayed. The devil has claimed you. And Jesus Christ has claimed you, but you get to cast the vote. And you don't do it by just saying it. You do it by day after day and month after month, casting your vote with your feet. We have dear friends up in Baltimore. We always spend Christmas with them. And I've always been fascinated to watch Lizzie. Lizzie's a real spicy Cuban-Italian, a sweetheart. I always watch her when she gets gifts. She has the same response to every gift. Oh, this is wonderful. Look at this. I like this gift. Thank you so much. And a hug and a kiss. But you don't listen to that. You watch what she does with the gift. By the time the evening has come, 
if that gift is tucked away somewhere in a cupboard, if it's tucked away in her bedroom, if it's tucked away, if it's put away, you know she loved it. But if you visit three weeks later and that gift is still, you know she didn't like that gift. Jesus is watching what you do with what he's given you. If what you do is take that gift and tuck it away in your heart, then he knows. It's for real. How long has that Bible laid there and not been picked up? The gifts of God poured out. Have you put them away in your heart? Or do you leave them laying around? If you leave them laying around, the second death has started in your life. Pride, arrogance, hardness of heart, independence, anger, bitterness, All of these things are rising up and they cause the second death. Cowardly. Won't take a stand, always in the middle, always debating, always hiding behind a stump. My dad used to tell me, Ray, when you go out and give Bible studies, you're going to discover there are two kinds of people. They're the kind of people who rush to the cross of Jesus and they weep and they confess their sins. And then you're going to find they're those kind that they'll hide behind every stump on the way to the cross. And you've got to go out and dig them out from behind every stump. And as soon as you dig them out, they'll run to another hiding place. He said, they're still worth digging out because they might finally run to the cross. And he said, you can't tell which ones will and which ones won't, so you just go and keep digging at them. Which are you today? Have you been running from Jesus Christ, dodging behind this argument and that entertainment, that activity, that work, that money? Have you been ducking and dodging Jesus? He's after you. He wants you. He's called you. He wants to pour his healing into your life. He wants to give you a place with him. He wants to make you as strong as Polycarp. Who would with boldness say, I will serve my master. He has never said or done anything against me. I will serve him. I will not reproach him. I will not proclaim Caesar, my Lord. And then step boldly into those fires of martyrdom. How is it with your soul today? Have you already started to die the second death? Or are you on your way to the cross of Jesus Christ? There is only one way into heaven. 
And that's found at a small door at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. You can only get through on your knees. When you go through that door, you're called to walk the highway of holiness. Being sold out, no longer walking in sin. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He makes intercession for you. He'll forgive you your sin. He'll wash you clean again. Some of you have tried to follow Jesus. And you found it didn't get you what you wanted. Because what you wanted was a Jesus who would give you something out of the Roman Empire. The gifts Jesus has to give you are out of the kingdom of heaven. How do you stand today with Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord, pride is such a hard thing to get at. And yet I sense even as I'm speaking that there are precious ones in this congregation who have pride rising up in their hearts because they don't want to surrender to you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, today that you will break that pride. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
my voice praises you alone, healer of my heart, lover of my soul. Emmanuel, lead me to the deepest well, where never ending love prevails, drinking from your cup, Prince of Peace, forever live inside of me, Keeper of Eternity. Thank you.